Oh yeah. Uh, so I didn't really have. Uh, I don't. I wish I would have put together like a formal interview, like you did, because I still do have an hour before class. But I wanted to speak to you. Um, a comment that you made way back when I first met you in the speech course, right, was uh, something that I am reevaluating because I did not know that you were transitioning at the time, um, which to me is beautiful. But um, it was that you were not sexually attracted to people. Right. I'm asexual. So was that always the case in your life or did that? Well, I'll put it this way. Um, Ever since I was very young, I've been perceived and treated and raised as a male. So the expectation in our heteronormative society is that like boys and men will be attracted to women. And I, I did not experience that partly because I didn't identify with the way I was being perceived also because I didn't understand what attraction really meant. So as I grew older, I was, I had feelings towards like, girls my age and i thought that was attraction right but i was actually mistaking jealousy for attraction wow because like my body was developing in a way that i did not like and wanting someone and wanting to be someone are two separate things and it took me a while to realize that so when i did ultimately realize that i thought oh then i'm then am i gay but I'm not attracted to guys either. I've never been attracted to guys. Yeah. So the logical conclusion is I don't have a sexuality, so I'm asexual. How old were you when you realized that you weren't attracted to uh, men or women? Well, I've known I wasn't attracted to guys for like arbitrarily long, but I was never attracted to women either. So I guess, uh, yeah, you're right. I guess the better question is, when did you realize realize that it was jealousy? I realized around the time I was going through puberty, um, around like age 14, I guess. Okay. Basically in high school, ninth, 10th grade. Hmm. But then yet you are interested and currently in the process of transitioning. Right. But you feel that that's not, that has nothing to do with attracting men or women. Right. That has more to do with becoming the way that you view yourself. If anything, what I want to say is that sexuality and gender identity are orthogonal topics. They're not related. You can... While there may appear to be a correlation, like if you are female, then you're attracted to male, or if you're male, you're attracted to female, but that correlation does not imply causation. And you can be a gender and be attracted to another gender, and what gender you are does not affect what you are attracted to. So it is totally conceivable that somebody who feels no attraction to any gender can still want to be a certain gender or identify as a gender, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So we live in a 
patriarchal society or roughly patriarchal society. I don't really like the word patriarchal because it implies a lot of negative stereotypes, especially when you say patriarchal society to a guy. They will most likely be offended or get defensive about that statement. And it's not entirely accurate either. It's not that we are living in a society run by men exclusively for men. It's just that historically the way society has started was focused towards men and geared around men. So as we progress into the future, it's becoming more and more equal. Like there is parity being achieved between the genders. So do we live in a patriarchal society it's a lot more nuanced than saying yes or no. And there's discrimination, like sexual discrimination for for both groups of people, like men, women, and non-binary folk. Examples would be like prison sentencing. Men are sentenced a lot harder than women for the same crime or suicide rates. And then there's also discrimination for women, like when they accuse someone of rape, they're not taken seriously, even though the the matter is very serious. Like there's, there's problems in society, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not like we live in a misogynist society. That's, that's too black and white and that's not accurate. Right. Right. What we maybe we can agree on this. Uh, we live in a society that historically was patriarchal in many ways that are still fundamental. Many of the systems in our current society still have artifacts from right. a time where it was more strict. It's and like more patriarchal. holdovers from a a past. Right. In that, given that, do you feel? Uh, have you ever felt some hesitation in your decision to transition, given all of your experiences, feeling jealous, et cetera, et cetera? Did you feel hesitation in changing your phenotype so that you can eventually, the hope is, eventually appear as a woman in a society with these kind of patriarchal roots or systems or influences? Hesitation or doubt? That's a hard question to answer because... I've had problems with my gender as far back as I can remember. In fact, some of my earliest memories involved gender dysphoria, like as when I was as young as five years old. And I, I came to terms with my problem around the age of like eight. Yeah. I didn't even know the word transgender existed then, but like ever since age eight, I had no doubts or hesitations. Like every single day I would just like wish to when i when i go to sleep i would wish that when i wake up i would be what i want to be but wow. that never happened yeah and it's an ongoing process now it's ongoing in the sense that i'm kind of beta testing what it's like to you know express myself to present as such but I wouldn't say this is final, and I still have a long way to go physically until I'm ready to be accepted by society. Because my goal is to be what they call stealth. 
I don't want people to clock me like when they see me like oh that person's transgender that's like if we live in an ideal society that wouldn't be a problem but we don't live in an ideal society and it's not just oh I might get jumped or mugged it's also if I sign up for a job I might not get that job because of you know like bigotry or some something like that but also um I was watching a video today that was talking about immigration. It was connected to some paper I read for cultural anthropology. And they were making a point against the idea that immigrants are taking our jobs by saying, no, actually, uh, most immigrants fill in sections of the society, at least within the U.S., that Americans normally don't fill, such as really high um, skilled labor and really low skilled labor, or so they say. Um I was, so the last time we spoke, I think you mentioned that you were interested in robotics. Right. Um, do you think that, do you think that it, you will experience as much as, as kind of the negative, uh, possible things that can come about as a result of you being transgender, um, at your job? Or do you think that it would be more tolerant if you're considered more of a high skilled worker versus someone else who's in the same situation who maybe has to work in a different place in society? I think I'm privileged in the sense that I pursue a STEM field and there are very few women in STEM and there are practically zero, like not practically zero, but there are even fewer transgender people in STEM. And going into robotics is like, it's a very high paying job. It's a high skilled field. So even if people look down on me for my identity, they will give me more respect for my knowledge and my, you know, decision to pursue this field. Whereas if somebody else was not in good circumstances and, or they just didn't care about the subject and they pursued something that is lower skilled or lower paying, which there's nothing wrong with that, but. Right, yeah. And, I, and low skill really should not be the label. It's a for very, that, it's a, if it, it's a condescending way of yeah. describing work because, in my opinion, every job has a level of skill that you you need to like do that job and over the years you will accumulate even more like nuanced details on how you do that job experience basically so i have seen it myself like i've known or i have interacted with people who get more shit if you'll excuse my language you're excused (laughs) simply because they are pursuing something like transportation or education and those are also rather high skilled jobs in my opinion but they don't pay as well yeah and in our society we kind of circle jerk the concept of stem being the end all be all and if if you're not in stem then you're second tier which I think is nonsense, but and there's an aspect of that to it. Yeah. Is there a, or are you aware of any kind of history of uh, transgender people or, yeah, in this case, transgender people on either side, so to speak, 
um, yes. experiencing experiencing wage discrimination. I'm aware, actually. Um, there is a wage gap between men and women, and it's amplified for transgender people. And if, from what it seems, it it looks like people who have higher paying jobs tend to have a lower gap but there is a gap and people who have lower paying jobs have a higher gap if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i think it's close to the discrimination point that like the more privileged you are the more likely that you will be a part of a group of people that kind of fights for their rights or they're aware of how the law works or they're aware of how to advocate for themselves um, versus if you're not in that kind of network. So I know there are actually famous people who are transgender and are well known in the STEM community, like computer science. And there are also like, there are famous transgender people in all careers. It's just that their numbers are a lot lower in relative to others. But it's it's like this. If you if you get a job or if you work in a place with reduced discrimination, if you pass better, you will have a better chance. And if you're more assertive on your wage disparity, you will get a better wage. Statistics Hopefully. statistics show that one of the reasons why there is a wage gap is because people who have lower lower wages tend not to ask their bosses or managers to give them a raise. They're they're either hesitant or shy, and that actually affects a huge chunk of why there is a disparity. You had another question? Yeah. Um it has to do with it has to do with assigning s- certain skills to genders. So Obviously, I'm interested in public speaking, and I'm, I have a male phenotype. I identify as a male. So I've benefited in a lot of different cases in my life from being a speaker and having something to say. Um, but some people argue that the reason, part of the reason why there are differences in, um, in the corporate world, for instance, in males and females in leadership is because males naturally, you know, have leadership skills and, and uh, it's a part of, you know, our gender. And uh, I thought maybe you would have a unique perspective on that uh, or it, something that you wanted to add into that discussion. Well, it sounds like you're bringing up a nature versus nurture question. Well, you're asking me, is that true? Is it nature or is it nurture? And my answer to that is, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't answer that rigorously, but I can say this. I think it's bullshit to stereotype an entire group of people by saying this gender is more prone to becoming leaders, more prone to become leaders. And part of the reason why is because the way society is structured is that assertive men are looked at as strong and and prominent and it's it's a positive thing to be assertive if you're a man but if you're a woman and you're assertive it's seen as bitchy (laughs) and that is part of the reason why 
there are fewer women leaders because female assertiveness is seen as a negative thing. And that's not, it's not that women are not assertive. It's just that society has, is structured around praising men for being assertive rather than praising everyone for being assertive or not praising anyone for being anything at all. Like it's not better to be assertive than to be shy, for example. It's just a personality type. And as for being leaders, again, if we're talking about a micro level, if you're a leader of a club or something, there's not much of a disparity at all because you're with a tightly woven group of people who have sh similar beliefs as you do. So there's not going to be a lot of conflict. But if you're heading a nation or a state and you're a leader, there's a lot of conflict there. And it seems as though women get a lot more conflict simply because they're women compared to men. So it's like they're turned off for being leaders, not because they can't be a leader, but because they are, they don't want to, because they don't feel comfortable with society. Yeah. So it's almost like there's, it's the, they're, they're the skills themselves, but then there's also how a group might react to those skills. And as long as you're in a situation where you're not going to be rewarded for, um, speaking your mind or uh, initiating something new or whatever x y and z leads to you ultimately becoming a leader or being seen as a leader by your peers um if the incentives are not aligned wherever you are then you basically just have to you're stuck or maybe you have to do extra work in order to achieve the same level of respect from other people i think that's true Incidentally, I'm a very talkative person and I like, I like to share my mind. I'm, I mean, I'm not aggressive, but I do tend to be more assertive than a lot of other people, men and women alike. Well, I think uh, something else though to, to speak about, like maybe the tolerance, um, that might exist in a STEM field that maybe would be harder to replicate in other fields, despite the lower number of people in, in the STEM fields. Is that, uh, yes, it, your success within a group depends on people's perception of you. But also, there's a, like a meritocracy that's, a, I don't know if it exists on the same level for other fields, where you really can demonstrate skill um, kind of on your own, and, and, and your merit can be measured in an objective way that I feel isn't the case for every field, such that if you are... If you are someone who's maybe uh, not fully accepted by society, but you perform, then I I don't know if this is true. I definitely want this to be true, but I think that you could achieve greater success in a field that that does respect merit more than perception. I think that is true. It's not like discrimination is everywhere. It is very prominent and a lot more so than it should be. But there are places where merit is number one and discrimination is not only secondary, but it it's like it's a it's it's an incident that shouldn't happen. And 
software is a field that I can say this is true to some extent, at least from what I've experienced. Um, my primary um, pursuit of software is is in virtual teams. I don't work for a company, but I do work on a lot of open source projects. Yeah. And I've worked with virtual teams where I'm anonymous or even if I'm not anonymous, I have my, I can choose my own name. I don't need to show my face. Yeah. So in those circumstances, I almost always present as female because no one needs to see me and verify that. Yeah. And I've noticed that people don't care. It's it's like a sticker. Like instead of M, it's F. Who cares? It's and most mostly they care about functionality. They care about effort. Are you doing the the work? Are you doing it well? Naturally, I know this is not true in all fields, especially medicine. Um, why especially medicine? Nursing is a field that comes to mind, but also doctors. There's a lot of discrimination, not only from hospitals and firms that hire these people, but from patients. They tend to prefer women, interestingly, over men. And other fields like psychology, they tend to prefer men. Hmm. Would you prefer a male or female doctor? Honestly, I don't care. If 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 I have to go to like a general checkup or an endocrinologist or if I have to talk about like my body, then I would prefer a female doctor. But if if it was if it was a psychologist, again, it depends on why I'm visiting them. If it's to talk about like mental health or ADHD, I don't care either way. But if it's to talk about gender dysphoria, things like that, I would prefer a female doctor. Hmm. Yeah, I'd prefer a female doctor. Female nurse, female psychiatrist, psychologist. Like, if you're going to measure my pulse, I couldn't care less. But yeah. if you're going to talk about, you know, like my hormone levels and stuff, then I don't know. Hmm. It shouldn't matter, but I have my own biases. Yeah, I, and I think that's an important thing to recognize is that no one really is perfect uh, when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to genderizing things that don't make sense. You grew up in a culture with flaws, um, I presume. Well, <laughs> and <laughs> my my family, extended family, has disowned me, most of them at least. Wow. Like nine out of ten family members have disowned me and my parents will have disowned me as well. At least one of them has, and the other one probably is going to issue a statement. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. My culture is very much closed-minded, intolerant. Not my culture, but the culture I'm coming from. Okay. Isn't every culture closed-minded and intolerant? I don't know. That's, I can't make a statement like that. Well, here's an interesting quasi-proof. Imagine a culture that was not intolerant and uh, whatever the first one was or second one was. Are they intolerant of intolerance? 
Well, see, well, there you go. See, that's actually, there it is. I, I was going to build up to something where there was a contradiction, but there you have it. So basically, as for any decisions that you make, any value decision, this, at least this appears to be true. If you say I value A, B, and C, well, then everything else that every other human experience that you have, you have to somehow make it consistent with those values. And I don't think that's possible. I think that there's some kind of an, an overlap or some kind of a rupture in that space. I don't think you can just map it. Every experience. Um, how do you make sense of it? And I mean, here's an easy example. At different times in your life, um, it's important to kind of have different truths. Almost like if someone says, uh, like I'm a tutor, uh, you can't subtract nine from seven. That's not actually true, right? But at that point, it makes sense to think that way so that you can build whatever fundamentals you were building at the time and then move forward and say, okay, now I'm going to introduce you to something called negative numbers or, you know, we're around Christmas time, <laughs> uh, Santa Claus, right? Hey, this is a good thing. There's a guy, a white man who comes down your <laughs> chimney, but we don't have a chimney. Shut up. You want your presents or not? You know, um, is this true? No, it was never true. Well, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but it's <laughs> not true. Um, but many people believe that, okay, at this time, really what's important is to focus on this. And if we focus on this, for instance, you could make the argument that the Santa Claus myth encourages honesty or encourages good behavior, whatever good means. So at the moment, this lie is sufficient so that you're consistent with whatever you really are focusing on. But there's so many different experiences in your world. I mean, sex, right? If you're really, really young, Perhaps your view of sex is going to be different than someone who's sexually mature, right? Um, so how do you make sense of it? You have to, you have to, you have to give someone a story or a picture or a, a view, a perspective that's consistent with whatever the value is at the time. And, and I know this may seem like a jump, but from that point, it seems like it follows, it follows that every culture has to be inconsistent with itself. Every, every system of, of living has to contradict itself eventually. I don't and think there, it, Therefore, it's flawed and, you know, and it, it must be short-sighted in one way or another. I don't think it needs to necessarily contradict itself, which it does happen, but more, more accurately, the desired result doesn't arise from that system. So my stance has always been that the way my parents have raised me, they have some values and those values are consistent. That, that is a valid way of living. Their value is that their kids need to be successful. And what they believe brings about success is different from what I believe brings about success. And also, there's an objective truth to what makes someone successful. At least, to some extent, there's an objective truth about what makes someone unsuccessful. And poor mental health is one of those factors that make you unsuccessful. My parents' belief is that if you're struggling with mental health issues, rather than to give you privacy, give you room, it is better if the entire world knows about your predicament. The more people know, 
the better you will be. I can see where they're coming from, but that's not how it works. Privacy is something that I value very much. Maybe because I grew up in the US. Maybe because objectively privacy is a thing that people need. Another value is that being transgender is wrong. Now, I don't want to talk about what is right and wrong. That's a whole... Like, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Like, me personally, I'm not... I don't think there's a universal set of morals that exists in the fabric of reality. It's subjective. But... If I am trans, their opinion is that I need to change my mind so that I'm okay with my body. And scientifically, there's evidence that that is not how you treat this problem. And they're unable to accept that science. And there, therein lies the clash. So, that was just an example. But there are other cultures, and it ultimately boils down to... Does your philosophy agree with reality? And if the answer is no, then your culture is objectively wrong. But I think I don't think a philosophy uh, can agree with reality. Well, not that was maybe the wrong choice of words. What I meant to say was your values, what you believe in. But the more it seems that the more values you have the harder it is to align all of them simultaneously with reality. That's exactly why I think having any values at all, or morals, for a better way of saying it, is is difficult. Because at some point you're going to reach contradictions, and you have to accept that there will be contradictions. And if you're unable to accept that, then well, you, you become delusional. And an example of this would be, like, people who deny the Earth is round. There are people who believe the Earth is flat, and that obviously is not consistent with reality. And they can live their life believing so, but they're wrong. And they can make up other values and other beliefs that revolve around their believing the, the Earth is flat. But are those beliefs consistent? And they can't be. Like, if they believe in a day and a night. Yeah, you don't have to go too far with that one. But I would also um, go to one that I think is a little bit more interesting, which is success. I want my child to be successful. I want my family member to be successful. I don't think that there is some set of rules you can have that will guarantee success, period. The closest thing, I think... Uh, and, and and I think the main reason for that is that the society is changing. So um, many of the things, th- there are new ways to be successful that did not exist when you came up with the system of rules. So you're discounting all of the possible ways to be successful. And you may be emphasizing things that are no longer viable ways of being successful. Um, and you can't be aware of that, that you don't have access to the data. So the closest thing that it seems you can have is a commitment to, one, aligning yourself to reality as you discover it, um, and two, making changes in your, in your um, strategy. 
to meet that new reality. And, um, and that's not one strategy. In a way, it is one strategy, but in practice, that's an infinite number of strategies. So, um, but to me, that seems like the central, the only, the only reasonable way to approach success. But what it, what even that discounts is taking a random sprint in a random direction. And while everyone else was kind of, using a logical path to make decisions, you were just building an incredible amount of skill in an area that later on turned out to be an area that your society rewarded and the infrastructure was in place um, such that you could kind of express yourself to the fullest, to your fullest capacity. That's what even what I think is the greatest strategy discounts, right? Is the irrational leap in one direction that happens to be the right direction in the society that you live in, but both of those are realities, right? So what, what you can do is say it's more probable that someone will be successful, um, based off of the previous data. But even that leads you to the problem of the first strategy, which is that's the previous data. What about the current data and and who knows about the future? Um, so in that sense, even, even if you just have one rule, I want my kid to be successful, you can still contradict yourself in strategy because you can be doing things or saying things that really are making them less successful, even though you that's what you want. That's the output that you want. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that's, I didn't put it that way at all, but that is how I think. It's it's not that you contradict the value, it's, it's that your actions contradict your desired result from that value right right and and you know many other things can go in many different directions but in summary that's that's my rough defense i guess of the idea that every culture is flawed it's not just yours it's not just my i mean we don't have to get started with mine you happen to know this but i have a recent obsession with slang (laughs) largely because i'm trying to prove to myself that it's the same as another language while it could just be you know um kind of skills that i built up in another world that are no longer relevant to today who knows right but obviously there is some value of it in the modern society because the hip-hop industry exists so that's not something that anybody would recommend like their kid to do to be a success yet people do it and they go you know all in and they and for some very very small set of people it's exactly what they need to do in order to achieve success it's like basically do poetry verbally and um and hopefully they'll get enough people on their side to support them financially yeah there's a lot of there's a layer of of surprise or just uncertainty not even that randomness chaos that can shape success and you can't really predict or model that it just happens and like you said it's it's an irrational leap in the right direction or what happens to be the right direction and it's I don't know, maybe with the supercomputer, maybe with some super intelligent AI, you could model the, those things. But Uh-oh. but we as humans, we can't. Well, spontaneous. Here's, here's why I don't think you can model those things. But I've, I could be wrong. You need to have enough data to build the model, don't exactly. you? Exactly. And like, even if you have the computational power, 
I don't think you have. Who? How do you even collect all of the necessary data? Who's to decide what is necessary and what isn't? Well, why don't you collect everything? The NSA could give you a hand with that. Collect everything. They can't <laughs> collect. They can't collect the dirt on the bottom of my shoe right now. Well, they can collect it, but they can't collect that data. We went really off the rails, didn't we? <laughs> uh, gender, sexuality. Um, society's reaction to these things progress in these areas so we're in northern california right now so you're super privileged in a way i mean i'm super privileged i'm a black guy right so and i want to go into tech or science actually math really but i'll just say tech um we don't really deal with the full do you do you feel like you when is a case where you have dealt with kind of the full brunt and this may be you know with your family but of you finally saying you know what i am who i am i'm transitioning fuck you i'm doing me what has been the worst reaction to that i've never had the guts to say fuck you to anyone but and you honestly, don't have to to be you know to be you the worst reaction i've ever received was from my parents the second worst was from my from my family Practically everyone I've interacted with in person or in real life, they they were either indifferent, they didn't care, they looked the other way, or they were supportive. I have yet to meet someone in real life that gives me shit for who I am. Which, which I think is extremely fortunate that I live in such an area. Right, right. But I have interacted with a myriad of people online who are flinging shit left and right and i wonder are they all from outside of the area i live in or is that people who live where i live showing their true colors well online first of all online overweighs outweighs whatever it it gives a lot of weight to the opinions of really young people and i'm a young person and i like the fact that the internet exists obviously right i participate but it's also, you have to recognize it, your brain has to develop, right? And they say your prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed until 25. I'm 23, you know? But a lot of people who are talking shit online, first of all, why would you even talk shit online? Why would you be spending time writing negative things online in the first place, right? I think it's some kind of a release. Maybe their parents yell at them and they go online and talk shit to other people or whatever. Um... I've never had that impulse, but I don't think because of those things, because of the fact that it takes a while for your brain to develop, because the the internet kind of weighs younger people's voices more than older people because older people aren't on, online as much and they don't comment. Maybe they don't have the time. Uh, I don't think you're hearing thought out opinions most of the time you're online. I mean, let's let's be honest. In real life, when I'm talking to someone, most of the time, I'm not hearing thought-out opinions. That's true. But the power that comes with anonymity, I mean, especially to a kid. You don't need to think at all. You can just yeah, bang your head on the keyboard and whatever shit that comes out with, you post it. Right. So I think people are experimenting with power in the same way that you should when you're growing up. I mean, your, your arms and limbs, you should play. You should say, hey, I'm, well, this has been my experience. Hey, I'm taller this year than I was last year. I can run faster. I can do more push-ups. Wow, look at all these things I'm discovering. 
But some people go in another direction and they try to fuck with people, you know, and they say, hey, I can inflict pain on someone. Look at this new power that I have that I I didn't really do much to earn. I never saw it that way. You just said that they're testing power. I really never put it that way. And I think that's a very interesting way of putting it because I think that's exactly what's happening. They realize that what they type can elicit a response and they can use that to their advantage. And in a way, that's a form of power. And at a young age, I guess, it's very appealing to have that kind of power. And because they tested it with a negative example, they liked it and they continue to do that. And, they, you know, sooner or later, they end up becoming trolls. And Okay, so this isn't an original opinion, but uh, I think that if you're doing really difficult stuff, you don't have that impulse anymore. Is that true? I don't know. It's an opinion. I've met people online who are very intelligent people. Like, they're, they study the sciences, they study technology, they study business, whatever. They're very good at what they study. But that doesn't mean it's difficult. Often, if I can do a lot, that means it's easy for me. Oh, so you're saying... Especially intellectual tasks. If I can do it quickly, that means it's not difficult for me. So you're saying struggling with something. Yeah, struggling is, 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 is the person who's not getting A's on stuff, right? So if you're, if you, if you're struggling and you're in pain more often, I think it's, it's, I suspect as a kid, it's easier to empathize with people who are in pain than if you're not experiencing it. If all you're experiencing is winning and you're seeing other people not measuring up to you and you don't understand what's going on on their side. Right. So I, I, I think people like I think it, it boils down to this. It's it is a form of power, but it's not really an earned form of power. You don't have to struggle to write a comment. You immediately can get a lot of people viewing you. In fact, the way to get people to view you is to be more extreme. Right. So it's it's an incentive structure that's almost primed for someone who's in some kind of a weird mental state where they want to fuck with people to thrive. And what do you get? You get a, a bunch of people, not that that's fact, but that's what it seems like. You're, you're getting, you're filtering the whole population, all the real, all the opinions that exist. Like you said, are these the people around me or are these just people who are nowhere near me? Right. I think it's people from a lot of different areas, but from a specific demographic that benefit from a system that's optimized for their expression, for the expression that they want and need the most, they can get it, right? So, of course, they're going to do it. And you can't even really be that mad at them, honestly. I mean, if that's the life that you're living, fine. That's that's your expression. But to me, understanding it can shift the way you interpret it. From it, thinking, hey, this is actually someone who's thinking out what they're doing and they want to tell me a meaningful message to like, no, this is just a kid who's playing around with power, who didn't really have to do anything to, to get this, and it's rewarding him for doing this or her. Right? See, I just genderized that. It doesn't matter. But that actually is, is that actually a statistic that more it's, men, young it men is. are I've actually read a paper women? just yesterday that people like trolls online 
apparently 96% of them are male, and over 60% of them are prone to psychopathy, which, I don't know. I don't know about It makes that. me wonder, like, are trolls suffering from mental illness? I don't think it's mental. Honestly, no, you may not relate to this point, but honestly, it's probably getting laid. That's the number one thing I would I argue that young men are thinking about when they're like of the age between like 12 there's, <laughs> and, okay, yeah, and 20, there's, 25. There was, this, there was this community on Reddit. It was called incels, which is short for involuntary celibate. Which okay. yeah, it's it's basically a group of young men, mostly who, not even mostly exclusively. I don't think I've ever seen women on that group who are angry because they can't get laid because they think they're ugly or beta or whatever the hell it's called. And yeah, that's a rough time. The community was banned because they were. Stepping out of line, like instead of just whining about it, they were doing borderline illegal things like doxing people's information in real life, things like that. Yeah, so, see, that's a perfect example of a power thing, right? Grabbing somebody's information. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. So I think they're all suffering from some mental condition, if not a like an outright mental illness i think there's something wrong with their mental state that makes them do these extreme things and that the right way to you know help them is to treat them and here's the treatment jerk off there's another problem there's a lot of research supporting masturbation Like a lot of research and porn apparently societies which are more open about masturbation and porn have significantly lower sex crime rates and there's a stigma in our society against these things so that intensifies it and also learn how to communicate learn how to express yourself exactly learn i'm not just jerk i should say first communicate but then also jerk off from time to time but don't you don't have to be addicted to porn to jerk off this is a really weird thing for me to say I've never seen it this way, but it the thought does come from time to time. And that is, I feel privileged for being asexual because <laughs> hey, I don't have any sexual urge or yeah, desire. Yeah. And I I can't comprehend what it's like for somebody to go through those, those urges. I don't know how strong they are. I don't know how strong they feel. If I had those urges, how would I act on them or how would I repress them? I have no idea, and I take these things for granted. Yeah, well, I um, have said this more than once, but uh, if I could switch it off, I would. Especially if I could turn <laughs> it on later. <laughs> like, if I could just say, all right, I'm not going to be horny until, like, I'm 30. <laughs> then I would just do that, because it, I, there's so many... Oh, my God. Yeah, I do envy you in this way, because there's so many things in regular life that are a little bit harder. Because I'm distracted by like, maybe I should, no, 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 I got to get this done. (laughs) Well, there seems to be a a very strong correlation between testosterone and sexual urge. And for some extreme sex offenders, what they do is they actually put them on anti-androgens, like testosterone blockers. Even um, 
even pedophiles, they put him on testosterone blockers. And apparently it helps to some extent. Like, it, it significantly helps. If, if it doesn't outright cure the problem, it does reduce their urges quite a bit. Yeah. Which is really weird because I take testosterone blockers, but for a different reason. Hmm. Yeah, and you didn't have the urge before. Yeah, I just, I want my body to develop one way, and the presence of testosterone inhibits that development. Okay, we got to wrap things up. Sure. It's time for the most important question. The, the most universe. important question those, in the universe. But it was my interview, so. Yeah, you didn't have to. All right, <laughs> are you ready? Sure. Flip or push? Oh my god, not one of these. Okay. As you know, when I, whenever you ask me a question like this, I overthink it. I see a table. Flipping a table versus pushing a table. If I push the table, there's going to be friction and it's going to create an unpleasant noise. And it's also going to be a lot harder to push. But flip. No noise, no unpleasant friction. And it looks cool. And... Flipping a table is a sign of rebellion, so definitely flip. That's right. The Chef of X podcast. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Gracias.